What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Jonathan Macri with you for another episode of the Knicks Film School Podcast. This is an incredibly special episode of the Knicks Film School Podcast for three reasons. The first reason, most obviously, is that the Knicks won a game. So if you have not already done your uh, dance and celebration, if you have not already broken out your whatever 18-year-old age scotch, um please do so while listening to this podcast, unless you are uh, driving to work, in which case, wait until you get to work, and then have some scotch when you get to work. Um, The second reason this is a very special podcast is we have someone with us who is, I think, if I heard you correctly when we spoke, younger than that 18-year-old scotch. It is the first ever Nick's Film School intern, Chris Persianen. Chris, how are you doing, my friend? I'm great. You are right. I would be younger than that 18-year-old Scotch by a uh, by a couple months. So, so, so we've uh, we've <laughs> we've been joking with, uh, or I've been joking. It's really all me with Jeremy Cohen, who I host the show with sometimes. That he's like you know, 15 or 16 when he's actually I don't know. He's he's 20 something. Um, I'm not actually right. really convinced of that, but he he claims he is, so I, I buy it. You actually really oh, allegedly. are <laughs> allegedly. And how about this? Prove to the folks at at home what is your what is your birthday? Can we can we do that? Uh, my birthday is May second, two thousand and two. So do the math. Um, that is that adds up to about seventeen and a half. Uh, senior in high school. Some some extra proof. That, I can whip out a transcript or something. There that's for the next episode. Actually, we're we're going to we're going to have you whip out a transcript um, live a, on the air. Deep dive, deep dive into my identity <laughs> verification. What's your What's your most challenging class this year? I have to ask. Oh, let's go with uh, IB or International Baccalaureate uh, History of the Americas two. Um, oh goodness, that's just the HL or or high level class. Um, so that's that's a lot of reading, a lot of documentaries, and a lot of essays, and that's what it boils down to. And overall, you can sum it up to a lot of torture, and uh, that's <laughs> it. I'm fairly certain because my I told you this, my school that I teach at is an IB school. I I think I proctored that IB exam at the end of last year. I have to double check. Tears? I, How many tears did you see? Oh no, it was it was all it was just it was lots it was tissues everywhere. It was it was ugly. Um, so. Yes, so Chris is, uh, like I said, our first ever intern. He is going to help us out in a, in a few ways, the most prominent of which is right here on this show, and that's the last reason this is a very special episode. It is our first ever Nick's Film School podcast 
mailbag episode in which you, the listeners and Twitter followers and readers and whatever else, have sent in your questions, the burning questions that you have on your mind, and I will attempt to answer those questions with some degree of intelligence, which we can never really promise on this show, but we do our best. <laughs> so, uh, Chris, I, I believe you have the questions in front of you. Is that right? I do indeed. All right. You want to you wanna kick us off? Let's get it started. All right. Our first question comes from Kyle DeLeon, and he asks, is RJ Barrett already the Knicks' best player or the best defender? Um. I love this question because to me, we're four games into this kid's career and it's not even a question of if he's the best player or not because he is. It's more like how big is the distance between him and whoever is the next best player and is that distance growing literally by the, I don't want to say the game, by like the quarter or the half. Um the the t- and I know people are going to be like, ah, Julius Randle's really good. Well, now you've watched Julius Randle for four games, folks, and you know that that argument is already kind of falling flat. The best defender one, I think, is even a little bit more interesting. Um, Chris, I can't believe I didn't ask you this before you applied for this very prestigious position. Um, but are you a, a Frank Nilakina fan? I, I saw a great tweet earlier today, and it said there are four types of Knicks fans. And it was like you either love Frank, you hate Frank. It was Alex Wolf who tweeted it. Of course. He says you either love Frank, you hate Frank, you think he impacts the game well but he can't shoot at all, or you think David Fisdale is part of a weird Illuminati designed only to end Frank's career as quickly as possible. <laughs> which which category do you fall into? So I'm going to go with one and three. I love Frank Nilakina. I own a Frank Nilakina jersey, the T-shirt jersey. There it is. Um, and I do think he impacts the game well, but definitely can't shoot at all. Listen, I watched FIBA. He played great, and now he's in the NBA. He got some minutes uh, against the Bulls, and he's going to get some minutes against the Magic with, with Alfred and it, possibly DSJ out. It would seem and, like it, uh, yes. I, I can't. I haven't seen the offensive shooting impact. We've seen the playmaking and certainly the defending. I am a Frank guy. I do not defend him to the death, but I do give him a fair chance uh, right. because, you know, we, we, he has yet to get some rhythm going. And I think some of that can be attributed to the existence of Emmanuel Moutier and Jared Jack. Oh, um, but we don't we don't uh, we don't we don't curse on this podcast. So uh, I'm sorry. I'm going <laughs> to I'm going to have to beep that out. Um, OK, so you're a Frank fan. That's good to know, because I was going to say when I said that uh, R.J. Barrett, I think, is probably the Knicks second or third best defender. I didn't I didn't want you, you know, I didn't want you to get upset, but um uh it it sounds like you will not get upset because you are a believer. Um a true believer as it were. Um but that being said, I think RJ Barrett has the possibility by the end of the year to become the Knicks' most versatile defender um because he's just he's big and he's grown so much already since college and since summer league. So, um all right, next question. From what you've seen after 3 games, is Randall a core building block? And does he fit with our younger guys? Asks Doug Grossberg. Um, so it's an interesting question because core building block, I don't even know that that has a real definition in the NBA anymore um, with the amount of player movement and everything and with the fact that like 
you know, guys, it's just it's the the, the days of of having like a core of like three or four guys that you're going to keep together for, I don't know, even more than a half decade. I, I feel like for various reasons, those those days are gone. Um, that being said, I, I don't think this question is that complicated because it might be a little circular logic. Randall was brought in to be the team's best player for a short period of time. And I feel like on a really, really good team, Randall is probably the third or fourth best player. And on a really good team, a team that could like win a championship, he's probably your first big off the bench that maybe he closes games for you in like small ball lineups. He plays some center, but I, I have a tough time seeing how you, there is like the mentality shift because he seems like a really prideful guy and a guy who actually like really wants to be the best player on the team to go from that to maybe as hopefully some of these other guys get better, um, accepting a reduced role and like going back down to like where he probably belongs in the, in the hierarchy of things. Um, so no, although I think he'll be an important piece for them the next couple of years. And I like Randall and yeah, I think he fits in with the younger guys. I think the biggest question I have is how he fits in with Mitch. And I thought that was going to work better than it has already. And, uh, JB had a good tweet earlier today about, um, they're just, it's not a good blend yet. Um, yeah, we'll see. We'll see if that gets better. Um, all right, let's, uh, yeah, let's do the next one. Let's do the next one. All right, from Sam McFadden, he says, or asks, I was wondering what you guys think in regards to this RJ at PG trend. Is Fizz essentially just going to ride the hot hand, whether that be Dennis or Alfred? Or if neither are performing to his standards, uh, especially when we have better wing and big options to start, uh, is he going to ride with RJ at the point? Uh, This is my most interesting question for the entire year. Um, I, I think for this franchise, because like, could, you know, could RJ play point? Yeah. Yeah. He could play some point. Could he play like power forward? Yeah. He could play some power forward. He could do anything. He could do anything you want him to do. And I guess I just don't know for his, I think they will, to answer the question, I think they will play him more and more at the point guard position, regardless of anything that happens with Smith or Peyton, because I think the future of this team is where RJ is the, like a secondary ball handler. Um, uh, to somebody else who is not here yet. Um, and he's going to need practice with that. So I just don't know. I don't know. Chris, what do you think? Is, is there such a thing as like too much? I don't want to say practice. Practice is the wrong word. But like if you know somebody is going to need a skill later on in their career and like it's just better to get the, the lumps out of the way on that of that skill early, Right. Is, there, is there such a thing as like force feeding it too much? I don't know, even know if we have an answer to that question. Like looking back through league history, I feel like you could point to examples, right, where it's like, oh, that worked out well, and then other examples where like, oh, Kevin Durant at shooting guard, maybe not not the best idea. Right. Uh, I'll say that in turn, you, you know, you said lumps, and I got to think of Fizdale. Um, he let Kevin Knox definitely take his lumps last year, and <laughs> oh, this yes. year he's looking to be. A, He's looking to be a, a, an actual NBA player, uh, providing some great shooting off the bench. I actually think he should get propelled into the starting lineup, but that's another thing. Um, I think, listen, I think if we want RJ to develop some point guard skills, some improved playmaking and ball handling, is there a better season than this one to do it in? I, I don't, you know, do we have actual like playoff or, or playoff run goals for this season that are going to be thwarted by rj at point guard minutes playoffs no. playoffs i think that 
what I'm saying <laughs> is that if we if this were a playoff team and playing RJ at point guard were to the detriment of the team and we're we're losing us you know games, I would I would not maybe be as open to it as I am right now, which is this is a transitional year. It's a developmental year. Uh, there's no better shot than right now to give RJ some minutes at point guard and see what he can get done and, you know, l- let him take some lumps. And, and if it really doesn't go well, then 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 you give up. But why give up on someone who has already exceeded certain people's expectations in oh, four sure. games? Yeah, no, I, I think um, I think that's a great point. More importantly, I'm not even sure if you caught the, the Jim Mora reference because you were like that was like 10 years before you were born. That's insane to me. Um if you have, if you do not know that reference, after we're done with this, you have to Google playoffs, playoffs, Jim Mora, and you'll get what I'm talking about, where that reference came from. It's really quite funny. It's one of the better sound bites of like the '90s. Which... That is the decade that I was not alive for. Oh so. God, I really don't like you anymore. Um, okay, uh, next question. <laughs> Jess Vervalen asks, "Do you see Dennis Smith Jr. as part of the future?" Or do you see the Knicks dumping him in a Morris trade? Um, well, I do see the Knicks making a, a Morris trade. I, I, I mean, I feel bad even talking about Dennis Smith Jr. because he just like obviously has a very tough situation going on right now. He's passing of his stepmom. Um, I, I don't know that we could possibly know the answer to this until seeing how he looks when he comes back. Um, I think they'll give him another chance, a hundred percent. I don't think anything that happens. Absolutely. Yeah, I don't. There's literally nothing that could happen. Like, short of Frank, like, I don't know, going 10 for 10 from three, like, in every game for the next, like, several games. Um, and even then, I could see Fisdale maybe be like, yeah, you know what? You, 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 you didn't kill it. You, like, wounded it. We keep what we kill here. <laughs> we keep what we kill. We don't keep what we seriously wound. Um, I don't know. I, I think he'll get a chance. And if he, but then again, yeah, if he, if he shows up and he looks good, um, why would they trade him? So I guess this short answer is like, no, I don't, I actually don't see them dumping him. Um, the, right. What I was going to add is yeah. um, I also think on top of getting another chance, I, I think he, it, it's, it's important to support these players in times like this. And, oh, for and sure. you know, it's, I, th- I think we can do nothing less as fans than to, than to support them in that way. So uh, very, I, I hope that happens too. Very well said. No, I agree with that. Um, all right. What's next? Alex Trateros asks, uh, do you think that the Knicks address the PG position on December 15th, or do they wait to address it at the end of the draft? If we do address the issue by December, who's the guard that we most likely make a move for? Um, I was racking my brain on this question, and I think I think a trade with Detroit, Makes some sense. Me and Jeremy talked about this on the podcast the other day. Um, and Reggie Jackson would be the guy to come back for salary purposes, I would think, in that trade. Especially if they're interested in either Frank or Damian Dotson. Um, we know Marcus Morris's brother plays there. They could probably use Morris if they're if they're trying to make a playoff push. Um, you know, Goran Dragic. I just I I know there's the the connection there with um, with Fisdale. I just um, I don't see it. I just, I don't see it. I don't see them making, like, I don't see them, like, giving something of value for whatever, 40 or 50 games of Goran Dragic. Um, so I think, yeah, they're going to draft. I think the the point guard who will most, is most likely to play with RJ Barrett for the next, 
Um, or maybe I should say the other primary ball handler who's most likely to play with R.J. Barrett for the next 10 years, um, knock on wood, is probably not on this team and is probably going to be found um, in the draft. And uh, I think we have a uh, linked follow-up question to that one, which I'm very interested to answer. Indeed. Uh, Doug Grossberg sent in, does D'Angelo Russell fit as a core piece with RJ? He'd be a gettable lead guard post-December 15th. And I'll say that when I read the previous question, this was a name that popped right in my head. Um, so I'm going to ask you. Availability reasons. Yeah, I want to ask you. You're you're a guy who um, I know from your stuff on YouTube. You 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 know pay attention to all of the NBA, which I appreciate. What do you think? What do you think the Knicks would have to offer to get? I'm, I'm going to say my my opinion on whether they should even entertain a trade. What do you think the Knicks would have to offer right. to get D'Angelo Russell? Um. I think I, I, you know, I saw and then kind of added myself to an offer on Twitter, and I was thinking about it, and and I kind of put together like we got to think about what the Warriors would want here, right? And you know, they have someone who I, my personal belief, at the end of last season was the best player in the NBA, and Steph Curry. Um, they're gonna want not a bunch of draft picks. I, I don't think that's a mode that rebuild mode. I don't, I don't think that's one that they're ready to enter just yet. I think we would have to throw them some win now or at least try to help them win now players and some future assets um probably for salary reasons could start with Marcus Morris um could add in a, a Bobby Portis and uh a Dennis Smith Jr or or Frank if that's who they prefer and then you know one of the Dallas firsts um you know whether whether I think this is fair for D'Lo is one thing. Whether I think this is what they would ask for as a baseline is another. And I think that, you know, uh, Morris, Portis, now we're looking at about 30 mil right there. Um, they, they could throw us D'Lo and one of their centers, um, whether Ooh. that's Spellman or uh, even Marquise Chris. But, you know, geez, that that roster is full with. Do you know the Do you know the guys. nickname? The nickname that myself and. Uh... David Futternick. I think it was, it was Futternick over the summer. Oh, and it was somebody else. I forget who else it was. It was so, it was another Knicks content person. I, I'm gonna, it's going to bother me that I can't remember. I'm sure they'll remind me. We gave Omari Spellman the nickname The Walrus because oh boy, he just kind of looks like a walrus. Eh, a little bit. I, I, I'm, I'm there with you. I mean, I, listen. I if of all the animals in the animal kingdom and of all the NBA players, you got there, there could be worse comparisons. So you think oh, there, you think there is they're a gonna, deal. You think there's a deal there to be had potentially. They it, listen if, if Perry and Mills decide that D'Lo is our guy and he we would have him for this year, the rest of it, and three more seasons, and he's the guy for RJ and he's the guy for Knox and Mitch to kind of play with too and. I think it would take some assets that are valuable literally today, as in Marcus Morris, who, whether we enjoy his isolation plays or not, has value today. Bobby Portis, who, if there were questions about him, I think a few of them got answered last night uh, with that 28-point performance. And then, you know, an, a young asset. like they, maybe, they, maybe if they're putting together another championship roster, they prefer Frank to Dennis. Maybe they want to just take Dennis... Um, and then, you know, the Dallas first, whether it's one or two of them, to sweeten the deal. Um, I don't know if I want to give up that much for D'Lo, but I think that's what they would want as I, a starting point. So I 
think that the Warriors don't even engage in a conversation um, unless one of Mitchell Robinson or Kevin Knox is on the table. And I have no idea which one of those two play. I mean, I think Mitchell Robinson is going to be the one that excels more over the course of the next two to three months. Yeah. Um, but at that point, I am um, I am out. I am out. I'm, the, I, the, the other thing is that they might see Scott Perry on the phone and look at our <laughs> roster and go, ha, and, and not even pick it up. I mean, look, maybe I, they just no, maybe Ma- they want a Kevin Love or a Tobias Harris. Nah, or, I think Marcus, Marcus Morris would get minutes on that team. I think Wayne Ellington would get minutes on that team, but it's not, it's not worth, it's not that. And like the Dallas pick is not to me. And I'm not, I honestly, I don't even know that I would do that. I don't know that I'm crazy about paying D'Angelo Russell the money that he's going to be making for the next four years. Forget about any trade assets. I, I so yeah, I, I I could see a theoretical world where him and RJ work together just because Russell can shoot it and he you know he does have the value off ball and he seems to be a smart player and I like that. Yeah, there's a world where that works. I just don't. I'm not giving up a core piece um, to to like roll those dice. But that's that's me. I actually though I I never thought I'd say this. I would hear disagreements. I would like hear other arguments, which I I didn't think I'd I would even get to that point. Um, yeah. All right. Cool. Uh, what do we What do we got next? Ari has quite an interesting question, which is. <laughs> If you could Thanos snap your fingers, would you rather this team have a top 10 defense and a bottom 10 offense or a top 10 offense and a bottom 10 defense? It's a pick your poison kind of situation. This is this is actually a very easy question for me. Um, I would pick top 10 defense and bottom 10 offense because two reasons. One, um, not to I hate tossing around the C word lightly, but um defense is that's an evidence of culture and if they if this team somehow finished the year with a top 10 defense it would mean that something is going very 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 right within the building and the second part of it for anybody being like oh well you you can't win in the NBA today unless you could score that's true but you could draft a guy like the Hawks drafted Trey Young last year and they could be a, a top 10 offense this season purely because of one whatever 5 foot 11 165 pounds soaking wet guy who happens to be able to shoot the lights out of the ball and and break down guys limitless on the range yeah so it's like you could change your offensive ceiling by like 10 or 20 maybe not 10 or 20 but like 10 or 15 like spots in the rankings literally overnight almost um if you draft the right guy defense like you know you got to um you know the Knicks, there's a, what did the Knicks had I think they've had a top 10 defense once in the last 20 years that's you know that's not an accident so yeah that definitely about right yeah definitely top 10 defense all right next one Nick's nuance is trying to make me feel some pain tonight when he asks which number will be lower by the end of the year <laughs> Mook Morris layups or Bobby Portis dimes. Okay, so I want to I want to specify there is no caveat here that um, it's Morris layups in total, not specifically for the Knicks. So Oof. I think that factors in. Um, 
you know, my inclination is to say Mortis, more, more, Morris will have more layups, but Bobby Portis got five assists in, on night one. Like, you don't get five dimes in a game unless you could pass the ball. And he can pass the ball a little bit. I, I don't know off the top of my head what he had last night. I should probably know that. But, um, although, actually, no, he wasn't passing last night. I, I would be flabbergasted if he had even one dime last night. I'm going to go with Morris layups. What are you going with on this one? This is, this is a tough one. I'm going to, I'm going to, I hate to do this to you. He had two dimes last night. He had two um, assists. Oh my God. I feel bad. One, one against the Celtics, zero against the Nets. And, and uh, as, as we said, five against the Spurs. So he's so, averaging two assists. That's monumental. Um, I think especially on a team where we might not as, I mean, unless RJ keeps RJing, we might not have someone who's like, I mean, Marcus Morris said it himself. We don't have someone like Kyrie and the Celtics, who's just the the absolute best player. So on a team where we're going to have to kind of share the rock if we want to stay in games, as last night proved, I think Bobby Portis dimes happen and Marcus Morris layups are a scarcity. And um, I'm going to say Marcus Morris layups are going to be lower I'm, by the end of the year. I'm fine with this. Uh, all right, next up. Do you think signing guys to one-year contracts makes it difficult to establish a stable culture? And that one is from Dr. NY Sports. Um, I was unsure of this question before the season, seeing what's going on now. Um, I I don't think so. Um, and the reason is pretty simple, because all of what we're seeing right now from the one-year guys, what we're seeing from Wayne Ellington, what we're seeing from Taj Gibson – what we're seeing from um, Bobby Portis, um, and yes, even what we're seeing from Marcus Morris, I don't think any of those, and, and Alfred Payton, I should throw in there, I don't think any of those things would change if those guys were signed to one-year deals, whether they're signed to one-year deals or whether they had been signed to like three- or four-year deals this summer. I think what we're learning about the players that Nick signed, for better or for worse, is they are what they are. Um Maybe at the very tail end of the season that might change, but by that point, I have to think if the Knicks are out of it, um, they're not playing these guys all that much. So right. yeah, I am um, I am okay with with saying no. I don't I don't think it makes it more difficult. Let's do one more question, and then we are going to uh, we do a little ad read. All right, so Eliezer Hecht has a bit of a. A bit of a, a thought to share, and and you know, then we'll we'll have you uh, share your thoughts on his thought. And he says that his issue with the first quarter of the game against Boston, and to a lesser extent, the beginning of the third quarter, is that the starting lineup looked horrible, slow, out of sync, etc. Fizz has said that he isn't here to be anyone's friend. But I do wonder if he worries about losing the vets' respect if he doesn't give them some leeway. And he adds that it's one thing to pull Frank if he's playing horribly. It's it's quite another to move Randall or Morris to the bench. So I thought this was a really interesting question um, because I think it's been among the biggest questions about Fisdale um, from from like day one that he took the job. Um, I think the fact that the question specifies Randall or Morris is really it's smart because I think they're almost in a different category from like your, like we've already seen him bench Wayne Ellington. We've seen him. uh, I don't think he's benched Taj Gibson, but like Taj only played seven minutes last night. 
We saw him bench Bobby Portis in the second half against, um, I forget if it was Boston or New Jersey, but we saw him bench Bobby Portis in the second half for one of those games. Um, <laughs> I know. Um, could you see him benching? Could you see him taking Morris out of the starting lineup? I'll tell you what. I, this is one of those things where, like, if he's really coaching for, I think he is kind of coaching for his job, and I, I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing because he knows that coaching for his job with this team, with this organization, and for this front office, if anything, it means playing the young guys more and not less because it's 2019, the world we live in, like it's this fan base. It's like, so for all those reasons, I don't say this is a bad thing, but yeah, I could see him moving Morris out of the starting lineup, and I think he's going to need to move Morris out of the starting lineup. I so, I think that yeah. if entire offensive possessions continue to get completely imploded by the decision of Marcus Morris to dribble crossover in and out, step back 18-foot mid-range with 20 seconds left on the shot clock, um, yeah, send him to the bench, start Kevin Knox, get some more shooting just you know as he's shown he has added to his game or at least improved on um in the starting lineup you know the, we we've we've talked a lot about uh, or at least Nick's Twitter in general has talked a lot about starting Wayne for some shooting but I also would really not at all be opposed to Mook coming off the bench and Knox getting the start for the prioritization of the youth movement as well as simply Knox has been playing really well and might deserve a start. Yeah, I I think it's it's deserving a start versus is it best for him to start versus is it best for team for the team for him to start are actually three separate questions which um they may all have the same answer but I I think it's there's some interesting I think we've like narrowed it down almost to like uh, two or three combinations, maybe four combinations that everybody seems to, to have in their head that eh, this this one might be the best, that one might be the best, which we're going to get into next. But first, let us hear a few words, um, well, from me, but about our friends at Vivid Seats. Um, Chris, do you know about Vivid Seats? I do know about Vivid Seats. I, I, I have the app on my phone. Yeah, so wow. I, I, can... I, I swear to you listening out there, I did not. We did not talk about this beforehand. I did not tell him. To not say that. planned. Not planned. It at is all. downloaded. So, um, as Chris knows, Vivid Seats is a great way to get all of your tickets that you need. It's the top source for tickets for all events you want to go to. You could sort by price. You could look for seats in a certain section, even a certain row. And to make things even better, Vivid Seats has a loyalty program that allows you to earn credit back. It's called Vivid Seats Rewards. Um, all you have to do is go to the App Store, Google Play, download the app like Chris did, and you're automatically enrolled in the Rewards Loyalty Program. Every purchase backed by 100% guarantee, um, biggest concerts, best games, theater, you name it, whatever you want, um, they got it for you. So when it's time to buy, make sure you put in that code. The code is OVERTIME, O-V-E-R-T-I-M-E. At checkout, you're going to receive a discount of up to $10. Um Vivid Seats, it's listen, if the 17-year-old is using Vivid Seats, you know it is the right thing to do because the young people they know. They 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 know. They know what's up. Um all right. With that said, um we have a two-parter coming up. What is what is our next set of questions? Jaden Darcy and Brian Polivi uh ask and you know, Jaden first, Brian second. Yeah, we can summarize these if you want. What's the what's the, give me the gist of these? 
All right, so they both kind of address, Jaden kind of goes right at the lack of creativity in our offensive sets. Um, he says, you know, how many times are we going to have to watch the players play hot potato at the top of the three-point line before an actual play is set into motion? Brian goes into, um, our plays are devolving into iso ball, as I mentioned earlier. And, you know, we have more talent on this team than last year, but Fizz seems to let the iso scorers do what they want to do instead of an offense featuring some ball movement and off-ball movement. And that summed up, it's why does our offense look the way that it does? I think there's two reasons for this. One, I think 100% David Fizdale likes to not that he likes to run isolations I think he likes to give players the space and the leeway to do the things that they feel like are going to make them look the best and but I it's it's like a Jekyll and Hyde thing because he says it himself when you do too much of that and you don't you know look to pass off of such plays um, it's it's where like things go bad. So I think in his perfect world, it's like I mean, look. I, actually, we don't need to think about what his perfect world is. We saw what his perfect world is. It's the Miami teams that he was associate head coach or assistant head coach, whatever he was. When you had LeBron and Dwayne Wade, when you watch those games, there was no question in your mind like, oh, this is the best player in the NBA. This other guy over here is a all NBA caliber player. And this third guy over here is a, you know, clearly a hall of famer, you know, like all-star every season. Like he, like those teams gave those guys room to do that kind of stuff while also playing some of the best team ball. Um, I think talk about uh, most obvious things that have been said in the history of this pod. Um, This team is not those Miami teams and LeBron James doesn't work here. Uh, right now and probably won't tomorrow so I think that's where you're running into problems because the guys who are ISOing obviously don't look as good as those guys Um, and B it's like you they're like it 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 takes it's harder to build up the trust you need to run that type of offense because the winning is that much further away where I think LeBron and Wade and Bosh could convince themselves like look we got the talent. Let's just give this a shot. Like Riley believes in this dude who's trying to get us to do this. We should probably give it a shot too. Can the Knicks get to that point? I mean, I think they I think they think that if they run their organization in a way that allows guys the opportunity to come in and and like quote unquote shine, I think they think at some point guys will want to come here. Now, I think they thought this last year and obviously we know what happened. So whether that theory, um, if it gets put to the test again, if it comes true any more or less, uh, we'll see. But this is what I think they think. This is all a guess. I, look, nobody really knows because you can't take anything from what Fizz says. But that's my that's my little diatribe um, on that. Okay. Uh, right. What's the next one? On the topic of Fizz, Jose Payan asks... If a coach can only do so much, why does Monty Williams have the Suns playing so well on both sides? Same crappy organization reputation, Oof. but they already have a positive identity. He's had them for a month, and they already bought in. Um, shots fired. Um, I, I will say this. Yeah. The Suns are, uh, according to Cleaning the Glass, which 
weeds out garbage time. The Suns are fourth in defensive rating. They have the best overall net rating in the entire sport. So, you know, kudos to them. The only thing I will say about the Suns is that they brought in talent at um, the arguably the two most important positions you could have talent in, which is they brought in a point guard who actually passes the ball and defends, which is what that particular need team needed more than anything in Ricky Rubio. And they have Kelly Oubre now. Um, for a whole offseason, they had him. They obviously have him from the start of this season. They got him in trade last year, who is a wing defender um, who also can do just enough stuff with the ball to like keep you honest. Like, if you add that to what they already had, and they already had some talent, like, it doesn't completely shock me what they're doing. Um, I think the biggest difference, to be honest with you, I'm I'm not making a judgment on Monty Williams versus David Fisdale after four games, because I think the Knicks have played really hard. Um, and, like, it's just they don't have as clean a roster construction as the Suns do. The other thing is the Suns play under the like the least intense microscope in the NBA. Like no, like I, I other than in, I was about to say, nobody gives a shit about the Suns. other than in Phoenix. Nobody really <laughs> gives a shit about the Suns. I don't want to, I'm sure there's like some Suns fan who would listen to this and be like, Hey, why'd you diss my team? Um, so yeah, yeah. there's, you know, I, I hate to go on this tangent, but you, you've got like Memphis Phoenix. No, it's um, like, re- it's real. It's real. Charlotte. We can throw e- some even, other even or, even Orlando. All right, I'll stop. I'll stop. I'll stop. There are there are a few. Well, let me ask you this: uh, Phoenix is their over under coming into the season was twenty nine and a half, and I actually I would have picked the under if I was a. a I bet. would have also. You would have. A, do you, are you impressed by Phoenix's two and two start with uh, numbers that suggest that they are better than two and two? Um. I would say that – well, what I would have said before the season started is that, okay, maybe they got better this summer, but they didn't get – and this is, you know, it, it, excuse the English here, but they didn't get enough better. They didn't get <laughs> – they, like they didn't get, again, terrible here, but they didn't get more better than every other team in the West. And that's the fact that they were last last year, and I would just think they were going to be last again this year. Um okay. I would have taken the under there. Yeah, well, we'll see. I mean, it's it's whatever. I hope they do well. It's fine. I have no angst against Phoenix. Uh, all right, who's next up? Uh, the next question, which I personally have a three-word answer to, and I'll leave it there, is from Jacob Condone, and he says, will we see a small ball lineup with Randall at center at some point? And my three-word answer is, I hope not. Really? Oh, we're gonna have we're gonna have a disagreement here. I'm curious. Why do you hope not? Re- quickly, why do you hope you don't want to see that? I think I watched enough Pelicans games last year where that got tested out. Okay. Um, to to say no to that. There's a uh, Budum said something on Twitter about how like someone was like, what 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 would what would happen if we put Randall at center? And he was like, every single team in the league that's not the Knicks would be very happy. Um, <laughs> I think I saw that too. Um, no, yeah, I, I, I think the size, uh, you know, besides, you know, Draymond is six, five, but he's an outlier. I think the size isn't there for Randall. I think that we saw Randall enough times last night, try to post up Laurie Markkinen, who is at least three inches taller than him. Um, and, and just, we saw how that went. 
I, I don't think the size is there. And I think if if the size isn't there, you have to compensate for it with defensive ability like Draymond does. And I don't think Randall has shown that he can do that. I, so I, until, I, until he can defend power forwards, let's not put him up against Andre Drummond. No, I I, I want to – a couple things. One – um, he is, we saw him, um, get into that short roll situation a few times last night. I think, I feel like it happened a couple times in the fourth quarter where he had the ball, he was in space about whatever, 10, 15 feet from the hoop. And when Draymond gets in that situation, it's like, it's, it's instantaneous. He makes the right decision, not maybe not the right decision every time, but like we saw him in like the those first finals against the Cav- the Cavs way back when when he was in those situations it's like you could see him starting to figure it out on the fly um like really at a really really high level Randall is like not anywhere in that vicinity that being said for like 3 or 4 or 5 minute stints once every few games as a wild card to throw in if you put enough if you put enough defense and sh- I'm like I, I'm, I was about to say, if you put enough defense and shooting around him, and then I have to ask myself, well, what fucking shooting and defense does this team have? Um, I, I guess Frank Frank Wayne Frank. Knox. I was about to say Frank Wayne Knox. Um, Knox would actually be the four in this lineup. So who would be? Well, RJ. Fra- yeah, I, you know Fra- what? Frank. I want to see that lineup. I, I would take five. You tell me you would take Frank Wayne, RJ, and Knox around. Randall for four or five minutes here and there. That could be fun. And I I think it has to have a short leash. I, I think fair. if things are going wrong, we've got to we've got to get that lineup off the court quick. That's um, I I agree with that very much so. Um, because right. that that's that's a that's like a can't play canter situation in the paint. <laughs> can't play canter. Um, all right, what do we uh, what do we got next? A double header. Um, Daniel and Thorsten from the New York Knicks Germany slash Austria fan club. Love those guys. Uh, Nicholas Nocchetti also adding in here. Kind of going to combine these questions and looking at the possibility of benching Mook and do we have faith in Fizz to run Frank, Wayne, RJ, Knox, Mitch? Uh, seems to Nicholas that that would be a good balance of playmaking, shooting, and defense as we were just talking about except with Randall instead of Mitch. And, you know, Mitch is obviously more defense. Um, the, he thinks the team might be too bought in on Morris and Randall to ever go in that direction, which again, begs the question, do we ever bench Morris? Um, like since this, this came up in a couple different ways through Twitter, through email. Um, I, if our, if the RJ point guard thing is the biggest overarching question for the season, I think. Will they bring Marcus Morris off the bench um, is the biggest short-term question for, for this team this season. And um, I think we should. I think we both feel like we should. I think most of Nick's Twitter feels like we should bring Marcus Morris off the bench. I just I, I agree with you. It just felt like they were playing in mud at both ends. And I was actually – it was weird. They were down last night by, what, 15 or 16 points after one. Eight. eight. Oh, I was gonna say like the the most they were down by was like no, eighteen. Yeah, they were down by at one point. eighteen at most, and it's it just like part of me was like I couldn't even blame them that much, like because I felt like they were playing. <laughs> I play no, I felt like they were playing hard on defense. They were moving around as well as they could, but when you have Marcus Morris out there playing the three, it's and RJ playing the two. Who I, I like RJ like his deceptive quickness, but that deceptive quickness is not a match for like the two guards in the league that he's he's going to be guarding. Um so 
I hope so. Um, do we have any faith in Fizz to do it? Yeah, I have some faith in Fizz to do it. I, I do. I, I, I give Fizz a little bit more uh, more credit than than most people. All right. Um, we got to uh, hurry it up so we don't go too far over an hour, and I want to get the rest of these questions in. So uh, what's next? Got it. Let's go. Let's go rapid fire here. <laughs> and Marielle Ocampo asks, free agents and our players always say that it's an honor to play at the Garden. It's part of our assets as to how we can attract FAs. However, she's concerned with after the booing on DSJ and cheering for the opposing team, what other people are going to think about that, and she is nervous. I wanted to include this question just to point out that I think the like 12 to 24-hour social media cycle cycling of the question of how dare the fans at MSG boo Dennis Smith Jr., was utter nonsense, and I'm sorry if you're listening and you disagree with that. The reason I think it's utter nonsense is not because I'm saying it's a good idea to boo people. That's not what I'm saying at all. I don't ever think it's helpful to boo a home player. But I think the fact that the Nick fans, like, kind of, like, broke for, like, a half a second— um, for that to be like some kind of indictment on what we are as a fan base and how we treat our players, um, I I, right. I I appreciate Ann's concern. I just don't think it's valid whatsoever. And I think a that was more booing at Fizz than Dennis. Um, it was like booing at it, it was like booing at Fizz through Dennis one and two. And I I don't mean this to be mean. I was at that game, and I'm not sure it could possibly have come through properly on television just how frustrating it was to be in that building and watch Dennis Smith Jr. A, check back into the game in the second half and right. like B, continue to play. And, and listen, as we know now, he may be he may have been dealing with who knows what at the time. So I am absolving him completely, but that doesn't change the fact that the fans at the time did not know any of that. So right, we also saw a tweet from you know Jamal Crawford responded to that tweet that went out. It was like Dennis Smith Jr. stats through three games. He was like, "How do you expect a young guy to do well with those with those type of minutes?" On that was the most ridiculous. I want him to go. I want to do the Clockwork Orange with Jamal Crawford, where they're they're holding the guy's eyes open in the movie theater. I want to play those sixteen minutes on loop to Jamal Crawford for twenty four hours and see. It's like how do you how do you watch those, whatever, like 11 minutes of that one game? And how, how do you watch that and go, you know what? Just one more chance. Let's, just no, one more. No, let's give him more time. Let's give him 15 minutes the next game. And then, you know what? If it's worse, give him 20 minutes a game. And, like, come on. It's, this is it's, – it's so stupid that it's not even worth addressing. Um, or, uh, for, forget all the minutes. Just just make him watch that pump fake open three to the step <laughs> in, moving deep to brick it's, with it's, the hitch included. I'll have and, nightmares about uh, that until I'm until no, I'm no matter what no matter what is going on in his own life what we knew and what we saw on the court I think shows that you know maybe now we know we were wrong to as fans in general to boo him but you you, you I don't think we can be blamed either after no, watching No you can't you you can't go back in time it's 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 not a thing right. Um all right what's next up J Live asks so much roster and coach overturn what if they can't win until the negative cloud shifts, but the negative cloud won't shift until they win? Are fans, trolls, and media a real factor? 
Um, I think anyone... Here's why I think the media is a real factor, because... A, we live in 2019, and whereas maybe once upon a time players didn't read what's out there, now with all of the social media that's out there, it's literally almost impossible to go about your daily life. I don't care if you delete all your apps, and not that, and the players don't delete all their apps, right? Um, you're going to hear stuff. You're going to find stuff out. You're going to have friends texting you like, ooh, look what so-and-so said. You're going to have friends texting you, you know, pictures of Instagram posts or tweets or whatever the hell it is. And we, you know, there are 29 other NBA markets where the press is, I'm not going to say an extension of the team, but the press almost feels like it's their job to prop up their guys on their team and the team in general. And we live in a market where, and again, this is not everybody, I have Chris Eisman on this podcast, who is a wonderful human being and is polite and like is just a straight shooter. Um, and you know, there are some others. Ian is pretty even keeled. Mike Forkinoff is pretty even keeled. But you have other guys out there who it's almost as if they're one upping each other on how how much of a dig can I get in at this player or you know this team or this coach or. That shit doesn't happen in any other market, and it doesn't happen with Brooklyn either. So, right. um, yeah, don't don't tell me that's not a real factor. Um, all right, next, re- get to the next one because I'm going to ask your opinion on this one too. Oh, jeez, Victor Van Mark hits where it now hurts. What is your opinion on the KP trade right now? My opinion on the KP trade right now is um, it, for as painful as it is to watch him do exactly what I thought he was going to do in Dallas, which is play really, 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 really well. Um, I am waiting for someone to come up with an argument, with the argument to me that explains how an organization that was purportedly cancerous and just couldn't get out of its own way and was never going to be able to get out of its own way was going to be able to start to correct some of those wrongs and cure some of those ills by trying to chain itself to someone against their will because they did not want to be tethered to this organization. Um, Again... This question doesn't ask whether the Knicks are at fault for whether the KP for the KP situation going sour. That is a different question. It will always be a different question. Um, but my opinion of the KP trade today, and it will I don't care if he, if he makes I don't care if he wins five MVPs. Um, they did what they needed to do, and they got the best return they thought they could get at the time, given the information they had. Because, right. The other thing I'll add quickly is yeah. we saw the reports that they they were shopping him for about a month before he even wanted out. And another thing that's important to note is he gave us a, a list of four teams, and the team we sent him to was not on that list. Um, and that and they never so, allowed that list to go public. And if they did not, if they did not anticipate the situation coming to a head in the way that they did, it would the return likely because at that point you got to remember they didn't have a month or two months or whatever to operate they had a week they had one week so if all of a sudden dallas gets cold feet um you know and again the one other caveat i'll add before we move on this is not to say that the trade was a win the trade was a loss the moment that kevin durant 
either tore his Achilles or decided to go to Brooklyn, however your view on that is. But it right. doesn't it doesn't change you know, the process is, is what the process is. So all right, let's move on before I uh, vomit. Kunal Sharma asks would you do law again if it somehow meant the Knicks are guaranteed a ring? I like what you said, do law, like I'm like Debbie does Dallas. Um, I would, I would, and the Knicks, the Knicks championship hopes uh, are have been put in your hands. I would practice law again. I would not practice personal injury law again. If the choice was personal injury law or or no ring, I like I. I or 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 leave the Knicks to their own devices to try to for them to try to get a ring on their own as opposed to like a guarantee. Um, I I think I would just like I'd be like you know what let's see what happens. Um, All right. Yeah. So that's what I would do. All right. So next question is pretty relevant right now. I think uh, with the news and everything. Tim Bakamijan asks, what's the best way to handle a player whose problem is not physical but in his head in reference to DSJ and Frank? I I think you just at some point have to show confidence, but that's the thinnest line in the world because what was David Fisdale doing if not showing confidence in Dennis Smith Jr.? And I think that that was absolutely um, the wrong way to handle it at the moment. Um, so I'll say this. This is kind of a cop-out, but I think the best way to handle a, a, a player um, whose problem is um, in their head is to read the situation. And if you're a human being who reads other human beings well, you're going to be good at this. And if you're a human being who does not read other human beings well, you might not be good at this. That's my answer. Got it. How much of the minutes allocation is Fizdale's decision versus the front office? Basically, who should we yell at for not giving <laughs> Frank and Wayne more minutes? And that's from NYTD Blue. From my understanding, um, I don't know if I call this inside knowledge because I don't think it is, but my understanding is that the front office and David Fizdale are, they have empowered him, but they have empowered him with like, they they it they they have imp- they have set him off on his path but that path originates from the front office and which which is to say i think they have like meetings about this stuff i think they talk about this stuff on a regular basis um i i think they feel comfortable that they have hired someone who is not going to go rogue from the things that the organization um values um, all right, we're almost done. We have some couple more physical or one more big physical question, and then a couple last ones yeah, to we finish got, us up. We've got a quintuple before. Our, uh, no, we're we're gonna get to yeah, the quintuple, quintuple one, which is my which is I can't wait for you to read all of this. Um, but first, really quickly, we got to talk about my bookie, and the reason we have to talk about my bookie um, is because the NBA season is here, and if you haven't gotten in on the action, well you know there is no better time than the present to do so. So um, we do something a little fun here um, on the old podcast. We we do some, some odds um, on game lines. So who are you taking Knicks magic? What do you think the Knicks are getting in Orlando tomorrow night? How many points? Yeah, how many points do you think the Knicks are getting? Uh, 97. 
Well, you no. Oh, not the over under. How many how many points do you think the Magic oh. are favored by? Oh, how many points are they favored by? Uh, eight. Close nine. Magic are favored by nine points. Um, I'll take the Knicks. Uh, what else do we got? We got the Bulls and Cavs. Ooh, a real a real barn burner. That's gonna be. We got the Bulls oh, favored by a point in Cleveland. That's a that's an interesting line. That's I might I kind of like the Cavs there. Let's do one more. Ah, our friends the Nets. Our friends the Nets are favored at home versus the Indiana Pacers. How nice would it be for the Indiana Pacers to get um, their first win of the year in Brooklyn? Um, I as as a as an owner of Malcolm Brogdon and Miles Turner in my fantasy basketball league <laughs> I'm going to hope for the best and take the Pacers there just to put that energy out in the world I love it I absolutely love it of course if you wanted to make that bet first you would have to be of legal age and then you would go to my bookie so uh now is the best time to get in on the action if you sign up at mybookie.ag use promo code overtime and they'll match your first deposit again promo code overtime New users get their first deposit doubled. MyBookie.ag. You play, you win, you get paid. Um, all right. Our goal is to finish up with these questions in the next. So we're in the next ten minutes. Let's see if we could do this. How, all right. Let's let's just. This is like a a five pack. I feel like like a like a Rocky montage of, but the opposite. Like a like a montage of low lights here. <laughs> Go mm-hmm. for it. Monty Python asks, why is Fizdale? Jonathan A. Bailey asks, will Fizz survive this season and be the coach in 2020? Sawarta47 asks, do you think that Fizz will lose the locker room over the course of the season? Doug Grossberg asking, what will it take to get Fizdale fired? And God Enti asking, it seems like players are playing more for themselves than they are for the team. Do you think that's the issue, and is that reflecting on Fizdale's coaching? All right, here we go. Why is Fizdale? Because God hates us. No, that's not true. Um, because he's a beautiful human being, and beautiful human beings should be a, a part of the world. Will Fizdale survive the season and be the coach in 2020? Um, ever so slightly, 51% chance I say yes. Um, do you think that Fizdale will I think, lose? What do you think on that one? you think, I think so, yes? I, I think— I think he'll definitely survive the season because to give up on him midseason, barring some string of really, really unforgivable decisions, would be to kill our continuity. And I know that's something that people might be willing to sacrifice to get Mr. Potato Head out of here. But <laughs> I think that um, I think he survives the season if we are presented with a great candidate this summer, and they think that's the guy for RJ. Because honestly, that's the way to look at it at this point. I don't think they'll have a problem ditching Fizz to hire that. Uh, candidate my sleeper is becky hammond i swear by becky hammond as our future head coach please god hire becky hammond as our head coach that's all i have to say wow we we both have the same number one she's my number one like dream head coach candidate for this team what do you know another thing we didn't even talk about and 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 we agree this is beginning of a beautiful relationship um i don't think he's gonna lose the, the locker room um, I think for him to get fired in season, it, it's it would be something like you just said. It would be something like catastrophic, like they lose, I don't know, fifteen games in a row, or or like you know, RJ comes out and and says he like doesn't believe in in the locker or doesn't believe in the coach anymore, whatever. And then um, it seems like players are playing more for themselves than they are for the team. Do you think that's the issue, uh, or that is reflecting on Fizdale's coaching? No, I think it has to do far more with the fact that it's nine new guys on this team, and some of those guys have um, 
a bit of a propensity to be a little selfish. But hopefully last night was the first step in the direction of fixing um, some of those issues. All right. Next question. My favorite question. If all if all the Knicks podcast dynamic duos played a two-on-two tourney, who would win? And this was submitted by Some Loser Podcast host. Some Loser Podcast host. I wonder who that could be. This is a test to see if that person actually is going to listen all the way through this episode. I don't think they will, but I'm going to find out. Um, I agree with um, Spencer, who is my sometimes co-host on here. He talks about... Um, all kinds of different stuff. I think whoever Spencer teamed up with, that team would win because Spencer's like six foot five and he's built like a brick shit house and um, he plays basketball a lot and he's I think he's pretty good. So I'm gonna go with Spencer and um, I don't know who else. But how about Spencer and JB? I think Spencer and JB would win because JB is also like six seven. So they would just they would bully ball their way like they would be Marcus Morris and Julius Randle against. Everybody else. So, yeah. At 6 7, we're looking, I mean, relative to everyone else who hosts Nick's podcast, I think you're looking more of like a taco fall there, but uh, <laughs> exactly. just, just, just drop it in. Just drop it in at that point. Uh, all right. Um, all right. This was a fun one. HM H. Prince asks Should the Knicks hire Kareem in reference to Abdul Jabbar to, to teach Mitch a skyhook? This. This was a real question, and yes, absolutely they should make that phone call. Next. When will Dolan start doing Dolan things like firing the front office and coach and become acting GM and coach, asks Nick's at night. Oh, geez, I couldn't make it through that one without laughing. Can you imagine? Um, I, I think I have a better chance of becoming acting GM and coach than Dolan taking on that role. Um, do I think he's going to lose his shit and fire the front office and the coach? Um, I, I, I just, I don't, I don't see it. Um, I think he trusts Steve Mills. Um, I think Steve Mills is, I'm, I'm one of the few, but I'm a fan of Steve Mills. Um, I think he's, this is the first real shot he's gotten with the right people around him to help guide him in making those decisions. And, yeah, I was um, going to say, he was when he was GM for about nine seconds and he handed out that four and, for... And he knows that. I think he knows. I to, think if to you, Tim Hardaway. Yeah, if, and I think if you gave him true serum, he would absolutely own up to that. See, my thing is, like, when they traded, when they got, when they made an effort to get rid of Tim Hardaway Jr., it was like, oh, he realizes he fucked up. Um and my my favorite recent admission of a screw up is probably from my favorite I'll call it my favorite Nick's Twitter account. I'm sure you follow him, Clarence Gaines, our former scout. My uh, my recently. dream my dream podcast guest. Absolute he is dream. so wise. Anyway, I love his Twitter account. I was just talking with someone today about how great his Twitter account is and um I think he, you know, he just admitted that 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 Frank was not the the right pick, um, and he'll one day talk about it, but not not yet. Clarence, and, um, if you're listening, talk about it on the show. You will make me a happy man. You will make, of course, my wife a happy woman. Who is pr- my wife is probably a bigger fan of Clarence than I am, which is tough. My wife's in in the bathroom right now about to blow dry her hair as she's listening to me record this podcast. Um yes, I I love Clarence Gaines. He's the man. He's he's so he's very cool. He's 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 a very nice man. And um yeah. I don't know how we got talking about that Clarence is, Gaines, but yeah. 
That's an awesome account to follow. Um, Our last question comes from Roman. And I, I think it's a good closing question. He, you know, it's pretty, it's pretty blunt. It's straightforward. He asks, "How many years before our next 500 or above season?" <sighs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna let you answer this one first. Um, what do you think? I, I think this, you know, if if next season is one year away, and you know, the the 2022 season is two years away, I would say, based on the way this year's going. Barring a big free agent acquisition or barring a big trade or something, I'm going to say two years. I'm going to say this year we finish still around that 30 mark that people were looking at us for. Next year, maybe we push 38, 39, 40 you know, with RJ's development. Maybe we add someone in the summer via trade or, or signing that, that will help us out. And I think the 2022 season, just to be safe and give give a real – realistic answer here i think the 2022 season is when we definitely finish above 500 but it takes until then to break that invisible wall of the 500 record i hmm my i think um i think i predicted at some point before the season that i thought not this season but next season they would finish above 500 barely i th- I think, despite what we've seen from RJ, I think I'm going to backtrack off of that, and I think I'm going to agree with you. And the reason is because, despite the fact that I had my doubts, um, I thought that there was at least like a one in three chance that Dennis Smith Jr. was going to come into the season and be like the the guy that some people wanted to draft third overall. Um, in his draft class and like with the jump shot and with like some passing and with the whole thing. And I mean, who knows, maybe, maybe a month from now we're looking back at this podcast and it, this, what I'm saying sounds ridiculous because like maybe Smith just needed to get out of his own head for a while and he still might be that guy and his shot gets fixed and he starts playing defense and like doing other normal basketball things. But because I hate to put this all on him, but because this what we've seen so far this year, um, and, and as much as I love and adore Frank, I don't think Frank is the type of point guard that can change the direct, not change the direction of a franchise, can change, like single-handedly change the fortunes of a franchise to like elevate them to help them make that leap. Um, right. You, you, you get what I'm saying? So for all of those reasons, and because I think the starting point guard in this team is not yet on the roster and is going to be someone they take in the draft next year, and typically you don't think of rookie point guards as leading you to 500 record. I mean, fuck, Luka Doncic couldn't do it last year, and he was like the best rookie since, um, you know, God knows when. Um, yeah. A I'm while gonna, is the it, point. Yeah. Um, he And he was he was really good. Yeah, I'm going to say two years also, um, but I'm going to I think, I think yeah. that's the, the safe play. Yeah. I know I'm not usually safe, but on this one I feel like I have to be – I have to honor what I really – actually think and with that all right at just over at just over 70 minutes i think it's less for the folks at home because we were we were bullshitting for a little bit beforehand but we have gotten through our first mailbag pod now we get to the most important point which is chris tell the folks at home where they could find you oh of course so my twitter um i'm on there uh, at Chris Percy Einan, uh, for those who are rather for every single person who hears that and won't <laughs> be able to spell it. 
you know, we'll have my name on here somewhere. And uh, it's just my full name, at Chris Percy Einan, Chris with a K. Um, that's my Twitter. Also, I recently, I took a I took a sports broadcasting summer course, which inspired me to start sports broadcasting. And a- as a method of doing so, I started a YouTube channel called Sports Talk with Chris P., and I try to get videos up on there doing some NBA They're analysis, good. breakdowns, They're predictions. Good. I have watched um, them. They're thank good. you. So it's it's like podcasts, really, but I put them on YouTube just because that's a that's an easy place to to find content. Um, so I put them on there. Sports talk with Chris P. I respond to every comment. Um, so you know you you can definitely talk to me on there or tweet me any questions, comments uh, to tell me how bad I was uh, on my Twitter. <laughs> I love the humility. Um, Chris, I have, I never thought I would like having an intern as much as I do right now. This was a lot of fun. I really, I have to say this was a lot of fun. You are very good at this. This will not be the last time you hear Chris. If you didn't like Chris, that's too bad because he's going to be on again. We're going to do another one of these probably, I don't know, a month or so. You're, you're, you're punching the air right now because it is a digital internship and I therefore cannot bring you lunch, uh, rendering me (laughs) mostly useless, but... (laughs) Uh, what, that'll be the day when I get someone to bring me lunch. Um, all right, Chris, uh, this was awesome. Thank you for, um, being my, my foil. Is that, uh, yeah, sure. My, my foil, I guess. Reading these questions, you were a great sport doing this. Had some good conversation yep. and, uh, yeah. Uh, go follow Chris on Twitter if you're, if you're not already. He is a good follow. He says a lot of smart stuff. Um, and everybody else, um, here's to hoping the Knicks get another win tomorrow or tonight by the time you're listening to this, in Orlando. And, uh, you know, that would make it two in a row, which uh, is almost, I think that's a winning streak. So we'll see. Knock on wood. All right, everybody have a good rest of your that week. That would be. <laughs> we will talk to you soon. That would be That would be two. <laughs> that, would, that, would, that would be two. All right, giddy up. Later. Later.